when I get up in the morning, I get right back in my head. Sometimes I got an itch that I really can't scratch. So I pull the blinds, hit my alarm, and I do, do it, it to myself. myself. I gotta do it to myself if I want it You're listening to Day with the Night, and you just heard a clip of Michael Incognito's new track, DIY, which will be released at midnight. Make sure to check it out on Spotify, Apple Music, and Tidal, available anywhere you can find music. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by the artist of this track, Michael Incognito. How are you today, Michael? Oh, I am overjoyed, excited, absolutely slam blasted to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. Well, those emotions are how I felt when I first heard your song, Boys <laughs> Go. Yeah. It's such a great track. It's a track that I heard over the summer and it got me just so excited about music in general. It's really, really oh fun. And congratulations on all Thank your success. You. You're definitely you. an artist to look out for and watch hey. grow. I'm very excited for your career. How was your Halloween? Halloween was good. We threw a party at my apartment in Brooklyn. I live in Bushwick in New York, which was promptly shut down at 3 a.m. by the police, oh, no. which is actually kind of a reasonable hour. They were pretty chill about it for once yeah. in their lives. And then that kind of took me out. So I didn't do anything <laughs> anything on Saturday or Sunday. Just watched a lot of horror movies. Honestly, I'm a big, big horror fan. Oh, me too. What are some of your favorites? Okay, honestly, are you a Shudder member? Like the app Shudder? I used to have the app Shudder. I don't have it right now. But yeah, I'm very familiar with the catalog they have. So good. They're like queer section. There's this movie called Knife and Heart. I don't know if you've seen it. It's with no. actually Lily Rose Depp's mom. Oh. It takes place in, I think it's like the 80s. She's like a porn director and all of her porn stars are dying by this mysterious serial killer. And, you know, chaos ensues as they hunt for this person. And that is genuinely one of my favorite ones that I don't think a lot of people know about. So definitely check out Knife and Heart. Oh, I'll check that out. I'm like a huge fan of that French film, Linteria. I probably said it incorrectly, but... Not the remake, the original. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's pretty scary. It's like got a lot of body horror in it. Yeah, so sick. it's definitely one to watch out. But it's about this like woman who's pregnant and this lady wants her baby. And oh, yeah. a lot of chaos ensues. <laughs> oh, so. yeah. But you know you threw a great Halloween party when the police come and shut it down at yeah. 3 a.m. I feel like that's very indie sleaze. So. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah, on brand for sure. What were you dressed up as? I did Jemai, private school gal from oh Summer Heights High, and just walked around all night telling people they're not even cash. Yeah. <laughs> so. I love that show so much. It's so good. How did you decide to dress up as that for Halloween? Since I was a kid, I've literally always been dressing up in wigs and dresses. I have any excuse to wear a wig. So I like went to the beauty store on Knickerbocker Ave in Brooklyn, got a wig. I wanted to be Abby Lee Miller from Dance Bombs. Oh my God. <laughs> and the wig would have it otherwise. So we kind of quickly pivoted to Jamae Private School Girl. And that's kind of how it came to be. Oh my God, if I saw you in the street, I would have like called out to you and been like, I need to take a picture. Yeah, I got a couple of those. I saw two Ali G's this weekend, which oh is unusual. I never really see that costume, but I saw two this weekend and they were really, really good. Nice. 
I'm putting that in the uh, in the back pocket for next year, honestly. Definitely. Well, speaking of stuff you've been doing since you were young, I was wondering, how did you get started in music? I love this question. I think it actually gives a lot of background and puts a lot of things into context for me. I am from New Jersey, so right across the water, the pond, aka the Hudson. I was born with like really messed up ears. And my mom always tells a story, but like for the first like two or three years of my life, like I actually really couldn't talk because I couldn't hear. Oh, wow. But I could sing Happy Birthday, which was really funny. So that was sort of like the beginnings of it all. And I was just a very, very animated child. I like really owe my parents a lot for being able to put up with me. And that honestly still stands. But I got put into theater pretty early on. I was probably eight or nine. And my parents, I think, were just like, what do we do with like all of this energy? So I really started off in like community theater. I did a lot of shows around my town in some neighboring towns and just did theater pretty much all the way from that time all the way through high school. And I just love it. And I still think I pull a lot from theater for, you know, what I'm doing now. Um, And then I started writing like my own music and playing guitar like freshman or sophomore year of high school. So a little later on, but I'm truly a child of the theater through and through. Same here. I grew up doing theater as well. Get I love out. it. What was your, sorry to sidetrack us, what was your most famous role? Like, what's the role you're like, that is the one that I crushed? It would probably be like this play that no one's heard of called like Deadly Image, where I was an alcoholic. Love. And it was just a lot of fun because I was like 14 or 15 and I yeah. never had a beer yet. <laughs> but I definitely needed a lot of direction because I'd never been drunk before and I was like overdoing it. And then my my teacher really had to like bring me in. She was like, it's more subtle. And so that was really formative for me, having a teacher help me um, learn how to fake being drunk. I'm going to crack a beer with that one. I think that's nice. the appropriate cheers to the Indie Sleaze fam. I forgot a Pops Blue Ribbon today. Oh. I usually have one on hand, but I have a bubbly. So cheers to you. Perfect. Is cheers. that how you even pronounce it? Buble, bubble? Yeah, let's say bubbly. We won't give Michael Buble any attention <laughs> as Christmas season approaches. Yes, yes. So what kind of like music influenced you? And also, was there any music? musical theater that had an impression on you as a young kid? A lot of different things. I love my mom. She is so tone deaf. Um, so I get, I get a lot of this from my dad, who actually grew up in Jersey City. Both my parents grew up in New Jersey as well. So my dad really raised my siblings and I on a lot of like Wings and Paul McCartney. And then just a lot of like music of the 60s, 70s, like a lot of funk and Motown, Cornelius Brothers, The Spinners. He went to Studio 54 like once in his life and he will not stop talking about it. But <laughs> I don't blame him. Yeah, I like, wouldn't he either. deserves that for sure. That's Go Off King. So a lot of like that kind of groovy music. And then he was also just like a huge Led Zeppelin head. Mm-hmm. And then my sister, who also lives in the city, was definitely like a very instrumental influence. She's the one that kind of got me like into MCR. And also, I don't know if this is unfortunate to say, but like very much a John Mayer fan as a kid. She loved him. I love John Mayer. I love He's John a great Mayer. guitar player. Definitely agreed. The personality we can leave at the door, but I'll definitely take his music any day. So I really grew up with sort of like this understanding or what I would call an understanding of like what I wanted lyrics to sound like, but also... I think that energy of, you know, the soul and funk movements and 
I think Robert Plant is like a sex god. So obviously I'm pulling from him a bit as well. Yeah, you can really hear some of those influences in your music. Oh, hell yeah. You were quoted in, um, I think it was the Spin article yes. that came out recently. And you were talking about your song Boys Go and that you kind of envisioned that as like LCD sound system, but like gay sex party leather yeah. underground. And I love how wildly specific this is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> can you elaborate on some of like LCD sound systems sounds and vibe that you're kind of trying to throw nods to you or what it is that appeals to you about their music? Yes, definitely. I think first and foremost, you know, we can't carry on the conversation without talking about James Murphy's just his voice. Yeah. And I think there's such a timbre and like a tone to it. It's not necessarily like a vocalist's voice, right? Like it's not like an Adele or something where you know, they're soaring into the heavens with vibrato. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, his range is crazy. Like, let's, for anyone listening, like, James Murphy's hitting really high notes. So as a tenor, I got to give it to him. But I think just the way kind of everything rolls off of his tongue, it seems like so natural when I'm assuming it must have taken him a second to find that tone and that voice. And if it didn't, God bless him. So I think definitely that and then... You know, I think with a lot of their music, what draws me to it, like specifically with songs like North American Scum or like even You Can't Hide, Shame on You from that MSG Live album, I think uh, also just it being at MSG, it's like the quintessential New York sound to me. But I think in both of those and a lot of LCD's music, I love how they kind of play on repetition and it sort of like forces people to like re-examine and find new things, you know, measure over measure verse over verse and there's like this crazy sound installation in lower manhattan called dream house if you ever come to new york and you want to just like trip out for a second it's really weird hell yeah but it's essentially just like four giant speakers in the corners of the room and just some like really trippy light stuff but they basically just play like four different frequencies and you can like sit in different parts of the room and like hear how they interact in your brain differently but I'm just like obsessed with kind of giving something so good to people that like you can't get tired of it, right? It's like yeah. Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. You could listen to that guitar part over and over and over again. I don't know what crack she put in it, but yeah. it's theirs for sure. I love the bass line in Boys Go. Like I'm a total sucker for like a really tight muted electric bass. Yes. It's like beautifully understated bass tone. And it gives your whole song structure and like allows you to get chaotic with the rest of the instrumentation. For like sure. especially the vocals. There's like all these vocals in the background that give this riotous wall of sound, but the bass holds it in its place. Like, what inspired the instrumentation? It's kind of a funny one. Like, I have been playing in a band and with a bunch of people in New York. I've lived here now. It's got to be like eight or nine years, which is crazy. But I've played some more like indie pop or like indie rock or more things that are like a little, I don't think slower is the word, mm -hmm. but you know, with Incognito, the project, I definitely wanted to just blow up what my perception of what I could do was. Mm -hmm. And I think when I first started writing for the project, I have some ideas out. I have a couple songs out that I think are a little more in line with like the earlier versions of what I thought I should sound like or what I think I should sound like in my head. Yeah. And Boys Go kind of came, um, I worked with my friend Brandon Shoup, who's an incredible producer who lives here in New York. And we were in a session and we wrote a completely different song that just is not out at all. But at the end of it, he was like, yo, I also have this drum beat if you want to hear it. And I was like, yeah, just like play it, play it. So I like played the, like the drum beat. And I was just 
kind of like mumbling, like, I gotta go, gotta go, where the boys go? And he was like, wait. I love it. Hold on to that. And we wound up getting a session in Lower Manhattan. And we literally banged everything out in like two and a half hours. And basically like he passed me the bass. I kind of just had that super, super simple line down. I think Chase Lounge by Wet Leg had just come out. And that was like a huge reference because it's just so good. And then from there, we laid down some of the synth work, some of the other guitars, and then the vocals. I love recording vocals. I did a lot of choir in high school, and I very much like building up stacks of vocals and just creating sort of like a sonic landscape solely from my voice. Yeah. So we did a couple of like straight through takes, and then Brandon somehow like maneuvered it. We basically recorded a couple of the takes of vocals through a guitar amp. And so that's a lot of like the crunchiness is like from a natural distortion that we got from this amp. And then he kind of was like, just do a couple of takes and have fun with it, man. And I literally, you can imagine, was just like screaming and like ad-libbing, you know, in this vocal booth, like going crazy. So yeah, yeah, it was super, super fast, super organic. I think it kind of unleashed something in me and sort of like hit the nail on the head for the direction and sort of the energy of like what I want to keep doing. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that in that track. Like you can just tell that you had so much fun. Oh my God, it was. And I love the music video for it too, by the way. The black and white music video features you and your friends and you're like in white tank tops with heavy liner, just wreaking havoc in NYC, like licking people's faces. (laughs) What was it like filming this music video and what inspired the concept? God, I got to tell you, um, lack of budget will really force you to do some, cra- <laughs> some crazy, crazy. It'll make which, you creative. Yes, right? <laughs> and I kind of love that. And I feel like it is very indie sleaze in a lot of ways. Yes. And I had a mood board and, and kind of saw a couple of different things on it. One is like pretty clearly the Warriors, that movie, and sort of, you know, the gangs love of New York yes, running around. Yes. I loved the idea of like Lost Boys, like vampires running around LA, like sort of these like creatures that come out at night to play yeah on a more metaphorical level i think it represents the type of people that we become at night and yeah. like what happens when we're immersed in these you know environments and sort of what happens when you you know butt chug a bunch of tequila and see yeah. what your friends are up to uh, <laughs> so yeah we my manager gab her grandpa's super old school new york and had a garage in new york so that's like the opening scene And then I was like, we should just run around the fucking West Village and wreak havoc, especially, I think we did it on a Saturday. Yeah. You know the vibe. It's like a lot of finance bros, a lot of pretty people, don't really want to get, you know, fucked with. And I was kind of like, let's just go mess around. And I also thought it was very important for that video to grab like genuine expressions. Yeah. You can't really stage that as much. You'll see a couple of like close-ups of people. That's like genuinely people that are just like, oh, there's, you know, a six foot three, <laughs> 240 pound gay man, you know, hauling at me. And you get them to sign a waiver after. <laughs> yeah, legally, we probably should have, but we did not. We did not. And then um It's okay, your secret's safe with me. <laughs> and the, you know, millions of listeners on Spotify. And then the makeup look was just full, you know, I gotta give it to her, full Julia Fox, Bobby Brown. Yes. Or no, did you who did her makeup for that? I totally forget. Oh, I couldn't tell you. It's some big makeup artist. But yeah, I thought 
that's such an iconic look and she's a New Yorker. I was like, we're not beating around the bush. Let's just take it from her. I, I don't think she'd be mad, honestly. I hope you don't mind this comparison, but it's like the indie sleaze version of like Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Like they Live. go in and they just like wreak havoc that's and they're like it. on these posh like. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that one's I'm writing that one down after we end this. That's incredible. <laughs> Personally, it's one of my favorite music videos of all time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like wannabe. Yeah, absolutely iconic. This was a really, really, really fun music video and I just love it. And oh my god, you. thanks. And I gotta give shouts to my friend and director Eli Edwards, who edited the whole thing. And all the people that were in it, Gab, my manager, held the lights for, like, the whole thing. And then my friends Kaylin and Delaney are, are my two fellow creatures in the video. So they were just absolute troopers the whole night running around the West Village. You can imagine how exhausting that is. Yeah. yeah. What is it like being a musician living in New York and trying to make it and get your career going and just be recognized for the thing that you've been doing all your life? Yeah, I mean, it's equal parts debilitating and exhilarating, if I'm going to be honest. I think, yeah. obviously, we all have our days. Yeah. I think what I love about it, and I've, you know, even in the short amount of time that I've been here, I went to NYU, I was going to shows from the second I touched down. I'm really fortunate for how I've got to see how things have sort of shifted and changed. There were a lot of like super small venues that aren't around anymore, like Shea Stadium, and you had Silent Barn. You had all these super, super cool venues, Death by Audio, Mm, which I kind of got the tail end of those. So I kind of got to see those on their way out, which I'm super fortunate about. You know, to that point, maybe this isn't the word, but like the malleability of it all. Like, I think New York is such a persistent and resilient city. You know, it really forces you to kind of stay on your toes, sometimes to a fault. But I think you can really see it all. Like, I think there's so many curtains to pull back and it feels like this endless fun house and you can just keep going and going and going deeper and deeper. I think sometimes it's difficult to juggle like the past of New York and trying to like live in the moment. Yeah. But I think that is kind of important in understanding where the future is headed for music and culture as a whole in this fucked up beautiful city. Yeah. (laughs) I live in Toronto and there's so many things that I think are very special about Toronto. But I almost feel like New York is the big brother of Toronto. Like we get so much inspiration from there and we have our own community where we're trying to nurture our own sense of identity and stuff like that but New York it really is this place where I've been only twice in my life and yeah I've only been twice and for maybe three to four days and every time I've gone like it's mostly been for work so I'm at some like hotel near Times Square and like I'm like no I want to see like (laughs) different parts of New York so I really would love to come to New York soon and especially see like acts like yourself like just perform and like get to see you in your environment and how you kind of create and play together so you've got like such a community here like already like I hope you know that there's like I was listening to the dares episode and his music is unreal and I think he's such a great example of what I would argue is sort of like currently happening in New York culture and I feel like it's become less about the show and it's more about the party obviously there's music involved in that yeah but I feel like my first like three or four years here was just you know gig 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 and you bounce around and go to different shows but like I'm so obsessed with the grandeur of making a night out of this one little thing, whether it be a 30-minute set or, you know, a two-hour DJ set. I think it's really, really awesome and encouraging to see New York artists that are putting together, like, a whole fantasy or, like, you know, a whole community of people that just 
They're ready to blow off some freaking steam. Yeah. Well, anytime someone's like, I want more songs like the Dares Girls, I'm like, you need to check out Michael Incognito. Yes! Most of the time, actually, they already know your music. So I'm like, oh I'm already okay, onto cool. it. But I'm like, it's definitely one of the big tracks this year that I really think people Shut need to up. listen to. Oh my God, and I'm honored. It needs to be on every playlist and playing oh God, at every please, party. If you're please. DJing and you don't have the song included in your set, then what are you doing with your life? Oh my God, that means a lot. Thank you so much. No, no problem. And I'm genuine and I mean it. Fuck yeah. I'm just like in love with your new song, DIY. Thank you so much for giving me like oh the sneak peek into the of track course. itself. Like I felt so honored. What is doing it for yourself? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so glad you asked. This is actually a great story. My family is Italian. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, I'm neurotic. Sometimes I have a really hard time stepping into a session and writing. Once I start, I can kind of get into it, but kind of just like lighting that match takes a second for me sometimes. Yeah. And I Googled American Italian sayings and I just went down the list. <laughs> and one of them was if you want something done right, do it yourself. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, how can we spin that into, like, a sexual sense? Yeah. And then also that opening line is, I, like, ad-lib it, but I just say, now let me ask you this, which is something my Italian mother literally does not stop asking me. She constantly says that for every sentence. So that's a total nod to my mama. So, yeah, I kind of, like, started with that line. I wrote this one with a friend, Cole Bauer, who's based in Austin, but he was up in New York. And then we finished it off again with Brandon. But we kind of like laid that baseline down the do 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 do. Another great baseline, by the way. Right? So simple, straight to the dome. And then I had the melody like, do it to yourself if you want it to right. Like it feels a little yeah. wailly. It's like soulful. It almost feels like, you know, screaming in pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of the point of the song. But I think. You know, aside from the more literal sense, it is kind of like that idea, right, of like pulling your bootstraps up and kind of, if you want something, go do it. I think that's a lot of the mentality of like where I'm at in my life right now and just trying to find my way and my musical direction and space in the whole scene of things. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, this would be so fucking funny if we called it DIY because Indie Sleaze is DIY to an no, extent. No, it is, yeah. And I was like, this is perfect. I love all like the nods to the 80s too. Yes. Like you have a music video coming out for this as well. We don't, again, for budget. I think honestly, there's some ideas in the works. I could definitely see something coming out after, but unfortunately not at the moment, which is like, you know, put the boo track in at that point. Yeah, yeah. How did you know when the song is finished? Like, what is it for you where it's like, okay, it's done. This is it. Yeah, I forget who said it, and I think it's just like a general like art thing, but the stages of creation, right? It's like you have an idea, you love it, you work through it, you hate it, then you come back around and you love it again, and then you're ready to show it to everyone. Yeah. Absolutely the case here. I think there was a moment where I was like, this is like so bad. <laughs> we like cannot put this out. I'm so gay and that like I need validation <laughs> in every aspect of my life. And I found that I used to send my music to a lot of people and be like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I've kind of like started stepping away from it, which is scary, but I think helps me sort of feel like a little more self-assured. So for this one, it was sort of like me, the two producers that I worked with, because I've also produced a large chunk of this. And then my manager, Gab, I think we were all like, this feels good. Let's submit this. Like, let's get this going. I'm definitely trying to like 
dwindle down that circle and just like really have it be something that like my inner tight circle listens to yeah. and like we can decide together. No, I agree with you. It's really important for artists to get used to trusting their gut mm-hmm. instinct. Of course, having those collaborators and people you can trust, but also having like your own intuition of knowing what you want and yeah. just going for that. I also wanted to talk a bit about, you know, you have this way that you describe yourself on socials as like the gay Tony Soprano. And I love that, by the way, because I love The Sopranos, such a huge fan. In your music video for Call It How It Is, you're seen walking down the driveway to collect the newspaper and Tony's like infamous robe and pajamas, but you're wearing heels and fishnets. Like what draws you to Tony Soprano's character? Yeah, first and foremost, that is the real house, by the way. That is in New Jersey. Oh, wow, I didn't know. I thought it looked so good. I'm like, wow, he really went above and beyond and found like a really like great post for this music video. There's a website also that shows you every single shot of that opening sequence and exactly the location on a Google map. So I literally got in the car, again, with my friend that directed Boys Go, Eli. We got in the car with him, my friend Dan, who's a Sopranos bluff, and we just, you know, brought him in to the car. And then my friend Ali, who helps me a lot with creative and does my makeup and all that. And it was just the four of us, and we literally filmed the opening sequence. It actually felt like a trip to Mecca as a New Jersey Italian. I was like, (laughs) we're going, this is the motherland. Like, this is it. Oh, what do I love about Tony Soprano? That is like my type. So if anyone's listening and you physically look like that, please hit me up. My Instagram's (laughs) allergic to cats. You know, it's funny. I didn't watch the show for a really long time because it was something that my parents watched on Sunday. And it was like, get out of the TV room because there was sex and drugs and Mm -hmm. all these things. So I never really watched it in real time. And then quarantine hit and I was like, I'm going to start this series. So I really only started watching it like three or four years ago. And I felt such a connection to his character. There's this great book called Velvet Rage, and it's written by some psychologist, queer psychologist, who talks a lot about working with queer clients and queer men specifically and sort of the shame that comes around everyone coming out. And I would say this is for any queer person, just like the shame that we like have to deal with or, you know, that we put up with or that we put ourselves through. And I think this idea of this man and this person who's supposed to really have all their shit figured out and like supposed to take care of business and like overcompensates to the point of like exhaustion and like destroying his familial relationships and like almost getting killed not the last one for me but everything else (laughs) (laughs) i saw a connection to the gay experience in tony and i also just love messing around with people and i love the idea of having this show that is such an archetype of drama and, and tv and being like well what if i was in high heels and fishnets and the neighbors next to that house in Jersey, they have a Blue Lives Matter flag up. So it oh, was God. very funny for them to pull in and sort of give the friendly hello. How's everyone yeah. doing? <laughs> it was an experience for sure. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I watched it again during the pandemic mm-hmm. and I absolutely just felt like it connected so much to the world we're living in now and yeah. that all these issues are still relevant today. I feel like Tony would love your music, by the way. Oh like my God. I can just picture it yes. at um oh, what is the <laughs> club that he goes to? What's it called? Um Wait, I'm literally The Bada Bang. The Bada Bang. Wow. Yes. Everyone from yes. Jersey's gonna kill me that I didn't know that off the top of my head. <laughs> I can picture the music. Like I'm gonna like take a scene from that show and like edit it and oh put God, your oh music. God, oh I feel like he would okay. love your music. That's the biggest compliment of them all, you know what I mean? <laughs> is there another character on the show or an arc in the series that you really love and take some inspiration from? I would argue if you love Tony that much, you gotta love Carmela that much because yeah. she's the one that 
fucking puts up with all of it. When they split and they're not, you know, fully divorced, but they're splitting, just Mm -hmm. watching her sort of have this like false sense of freedom for a second, even though she's still very much intertwined in it all. Yeah. You're really like watching this woman sort of like grapple with the past, you know, decades of her dedicating her whole life to this man and her whole life is about him and it's all centered around what's happening with his business and so to see her kind of go through the ups and downs of life and have moments of elation and then moments of like extreme anger and I would even argue like paranoia at points yeah was really tough to watch but my mom is like my idol. Like I love her. And I think I saw a lot of her. My dad is not involved in organized crime. Yeah. He's an accountant. So I just want to clarify that for everyone. <laughs> I feel like a lot of moms probably saw themselves in Carmela. Yeah. And I think getting to watch her over the years and sort of see this, this woman come back from it all must have been pretty empowering. I'm actually going to call my mom after this and ask Aww. her. She's a queen. Through and through. Yeah. No, I love Carmilla. There's that one point where they're arguing like the pool house, I think it is. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. The writing of that scene is just so incredible. And the acting too. It's just like, oh my God. That whole scene gives me shivers. I I really though, I like the characters that I think everyone hates. Like I personally love AJ and Livia. They're my favorites. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Like Livia to me is the real mob boss like she really is honestly at the end of the day the most like terrifying person on that show i will agree with you there she's very very scary (laughs) yeah and aj's just whole existential crisis like that was one of my favorites and then just small moments with him where like he's watching blue coffee and tv music video (laughs) or he's getting on his mom about the expensive lad how do you say it yadro or ladro figures um oh my gosh i don't even know they're like these figurines that like my parents love them i don't know if it's like a european thing but like european boomers love these like yes and they like sit in a closet with like a glass door and nobody can touch them they don't come out but that's exactly how mine are displayed in my parents home so (laughs) for sure yeah yeah it's such a great show and i love that it's part of like your essence in your character as well so do you take any inspiration from or get creatively influenced from any sort of directors or films Sonically or aesthetically. Yeah. I love The Godfather. That's just like so, you know, hand in hand with The Sopranos to me. I actually, the first solo set I did as Michael Incognito, I opened with the audio from The Godfather, like the main theme, and then went straight into my song called How It Is. I love Sofia Coppola. I love Marie Antoinette. I love The Bling Ring because it's just so outrageous. Yeah. There's like two films that I watched probably like a year ago that like really, really stuck with me. One is called And Then We Danced, if you've ever heard of it. Oh no, I haven't seen that. I'm going to write that down. Definitely write it down. I'm going to send all these to you in an email too. Please, please. But it's a Georgian film and it's basically about this young man who's gay, but like hasn't come out yet in Georgia, the country, not the state. We must, you know, clarify. Yeah. And he goes to this traditional Georgian dance school and it's sort of, it's like the Georgian version of Call Me By Your Name, but like, no one's eating anybody. Like there's no cannibals in it. The cinematography, there's just this one scene where they like go to someone else in the company. They go to like her house out in the country and everyone gets drunk and, you know, everyone's in bed and it's just him and this other boy. And they're like dancing to Robin and he has this like giant, like 
crazy pillow on, but it looks like a wig and he's like smoking a cigarette. This is my kind of film. I think you'll love it. That scene, it's all over all my mood boards. It's like everywhere. And then another one that my friend Brian showed me is like a huge movie bluff. He showed me Behind the Candelabra. Have you seen this before? No, no. I'm excited. I love getting suggestions like these. It's about Liberace. Oh my God. Yes. I'm already sold. Yes. Matt Damon plays this character who basically meets Liberace in Vegas and Liberace goes on to groom him, et cetera, et cetera, to the point of like Matt Damon like gets plastic surgery to look different because Liberace wants that. There's a scene where he finds out that Liberace is is with somebody else. Like he's with another younger man. Matt Damon goes into his room and like tears it apart. Everyone just stands there and watches him and lets him do it. And then he like sits down in like the moment of recognition that like he has been defeated and like he is not going to win. And he's just sitting down in this like incredible outfit that I need to buy in this like insane room and all the crystals are all over the floor and like the pillows are torn up and all the velvet is ripped. And this whole idea of like beautiful destruction has stuck with me ever since I've seen that movie. It's absolutely incredible. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to check this out. I just watched one recently by Claire Dennis Beautravail. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly in French, but... It's like about this guy who leads a troop and there's an arrival of a young recruit and like, I won't spoil it for you, but it's just a very visually poetic and almost repetitive film, kind of the way you were even describing the music of like LCD sound system. Yeah. For some people, it's a little bit of a a slow burn, but I really think it's just a beautiful film and just like, it's one of my favorite endings of any film ever. This was one I watched in the pandemic, so it was kind of not recent, but like start of the pandemic days and- Yeah, I'm definitely going to check out those two films that you mentioned. I love, like, the sounds of both of them. And I'm such a movie, like, lover. I will watch, like, anything. Anything. I will literally watch anything. (laughs) If you had a desert island band, I like to ask this to, like, everyone who comes on the pod. Yeah. What would that desert island band be? Are you saying a band made up of all-stars or just one band that I'm on this desert island with? (laughs) (laughs) One band that you can listen to on the island. For some reason, you have an unlimited amount of batteries for your CD Walkman or you have a charging station luckily nearby for your... For your iPod or whatever, your iPhone, is there like one band that you just would have to have? Yeah, I'm such a sucker for Phoenix. I love them so much. And they were like a band that I quote unquote found in high school that I was like, this is mine. None of you are touching this. Like, I feel like we would have been best friends in high school, to be honest. The more I find out about you, I'm just like, we're kindred spirits. (laughs) But yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, I just think from like the first album all the way through, I'm excited for this new one. And I've liked the single so far. Me too. You know, they have their dance tracks. They have like the more moody ones, Summer Days, right? That's what it's called? Yes. One of my dearest friends, Claire, who better be listening to this, she lives down in Mexico City and I've never seen Phoenix before. And this was 2018 and I was going down there and I was like, I need to see a concert when I go to Mexico. Like I love seeing shows in other cities. Yeah, me too. I feel like it's the most perfect way to capture the type of people that live there. Also, you can ask people where they're going after and then you can find the cool bars, et cetera, et cetera. But she is the biggest Phoenix fan. And that was something we like really gushed over in college together. And I was looking at the shows and I saw that Phoenix was playing and I was like, oh my God. So I somehow through the opening band got us on the list and went to this incredible venue in Mexico City. And it was just me and her and like, It was just beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. And I think they're the type of band that like I'll 
throw on one of their albums and I can get my work done or I can dance or I can listen to it. It can kind of like come with me in whatever capacity I need it to. Yeah, I think they're also like, I know they're a popular band, but they are still sort of underrated. Like, I still feel like I'll mention that band to people and they're like, oh, yeah, I haven't listened to them in a while. I'm like, you should. Their new stuff is incredible. But I love your whole experience of going somewhere and seeing a concert because I think like that's one of my favorite things to do as well as going to see a movie in a new place. There's always a different vibe in every place that you go to. Even like McDonald's. I don't know why every McDonald's is so different. Fucking love McDonald's. (laughs) Anywhere I go, I like have to check out a McDonald's. Yeah, absolutely. They're different. They're different. Check out the vibe. What's it like? (laughs) Clock the aura of it all. But one question I want to ask you, because I think your name is incredible. How did you come up with that name? This is going to blow your fucking mind. I'm ready. That's my mom's maiden name. What? Are you serious? (laughs) Swear to God. Wow. I just visited Italy for the first time ever. Like my family went. This was something we had planned before quarantine. It got postponed. So this was like a very long trip coming. And we were going to just be in the south of Italy. We went to my grandpa's hometown. I never met him. He died when my mom was a teenager. Mm -hmm. But he's from a super, super small, pretty poor town in Italy. It's right near a city called Matera, which is like one of the oldest cities in Europe. Oh, wow. We actually did a cooking class with this woman and her husband. They were incredible. And we told her too, we were like, oh, this is what my mom's maiden name is. And she was like, I think they probably changed it at Ellis Island. But to anyone who would ask that or say that, the papers that my grandpa has, those are like from Italy. Yeah. So yeah, it's a family name, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) That's a really fucking cool maiden name. That worked out Beautifully. That's a great thing to draw inspiration from. I know. And my dad was like, really, like, you're not going to keep knitting, which is my real last name. And I was like, dude, come on, I mean, that's a fucking cool last name, too. To be honest, you have both, like, options are really, really cool. Not bad. Not bad. There is something about the way that you present yourself on social media and in your music that really makes you just this like larger than life character and I think there are big things for you and you were in a battle of the bands I just found this out like today I was like doing some more research and this was happening in New York and it was for new artists and acts correct like kind of giving them a platform and wasn't Dave one there judging as well from Chromio Dave one was definitely there there is a news like a newspaper, sort of like a on-the-street newspaper called The Drunken Canal. Oh, fun. Yeah. They threw the Battle of the Bands in collaboration with Tribeca Film Festival. And so they basically had a bunch of people audition to be a part of this. And then the judges were Dave One, the editor-in-chief of Pitchfork was supposed to do it. She backed out. So there were a couple of other people whose names are totally leaving me. But Dave One fucking rocks and he followed me on Instagram. Yeah, I love him. And I'm him. not going to be quiet about that. He is such a nice guy. Yeah. It's funny, that was the first time I ever played with a band for Incognito because I did one show to tracks and then I was like, we need a band. Like, this isn't how I do things. I put it off for so long and my manager kept being like, when are we getting the band together? And then this kind of just like kicked me in the ass to do it. So I put together a band. Fun fact, technically they weren't taking solo artists. So we branded ourselves as Michael Incognito and the family band. So when I play live, this is my family band. That's amazing. So we got through to the second round and then we didn't make it out to the third. But it's honestly, I feel like New York can feel super exclusive. And obviously this is like, you know, the pinnacle of exclusivity is a battle of the bands. But it kind of like opened my eyes a bit. There's so many bands and artists that you can kind of overlook or you've never heard about. Like there's constantly people that are creating new projects every day or 
putting things out. And it was kind of like a really cool moment. It was super stressful and scary, but I think backstage, it just felt like it reminded me of theater and being like, oh my God, like the finale is coming up. Like everyone get "Ah," like, it was very much that energy. So performing at the core is like really my bread and butter. And that's where I thrive. And I really love to be on stage. So for me, it's like, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. I know you've mentioned Robert Plant. Is there any kind of like lead singer of a band with their like onstage persona really inspires you? Yeah, a couple different people. I love Maddie Healy. I love the Night 75 yes. too. I think he's just incredible. I just saw Fred again recently, if you if you're familiar with him. Yep. That show blew my brains. And it was a different type of front man, right? Because it's like he's not necessarily up and in the front. Who else have I really seen that like blew my brains? I mean, like, duh, Beyonce, like, that's, you know, goes yeah. without saying. <laughs> She's got it down. All the dancing, it's, like, crazy. It's just leave some room for the other people, but actually take all yeah. of it. Like, we don't need it. There's a band that you should definitely check out, too, that I saw a couple months ago. They're New York-based. They're called Model Actress. Ooh, but they're spelled A-C-T-R-I-Z. And it's a frontman in such a different way. The lead singer, Cole, is also queer and is just extremely commanding in his presence and, like, in his movement he's down in the audience like second song in and moves really really slowly and will like walk up to people and kind of like sing in their face and that show like i left and i was like holy fuck like my brain has been blown and i think that's so much more fun because it's like obviously we all love robert plant obviously we all love maddie healy yeah but to see someone else that's like really doing it right now and is like really playing to a room of maybe 150 people which I would argue is so much harder to command. It is, yeah. I was just like, you know, worshiping at the altar of Model Actress. So definitely check them out for sure. Yeah, I definitely will. There was a cover band I saw this weekend Hell for Halloween. Yeah. And I actually don't know the band's name. I got to find it out. But they're doing covers of The Doors. And oh. the lead singer, she was just so incredible. And in the androgyny and like yes, the kind of yeah. performance with these black leather pants. Like she was like making love with the audience. It was like honestly incredible. Yeah. She just seemed so badass and just like had such amazing stage presence. I love performers that just, I don't know, you just feel like you are – in the presence of greatness, like you're witnessing something like almost supernatural or like, yeah. I don't know how to really put it into words. It can't be put into words. That's the whole like point of it, right? It's like, this isn't like some tangible thing. It's just some like energy. It's insane. Not to like completely cut you off, but I'm like, as this thought is in my head, like, sexuality is such a pillar of everything that I do, like whether it be my music or the branding of it all or the photos and everything. And I think it's really tough Sometimes, especially when you want to look cool and like be somewhere and make an impression, I think it's really difficult to feel comfortable. And sort of like what I want out of my music and out of my shows is people genuinely to feel really sexy, whether that be by themselves or in an audience. And I think that ultimately comes down to me taking all my clothes off on stage. I'm not razor thin in any regard. I almost want to be more of an embarrassment to myself so that other people can match me at halfway and feel like they're going crazy, but still, you know, I want people to feel comfortable and feel like they're sort of exploring a bit of themselves because that's essentially what I'm doing. I think you totally like accomplish that with your performances and just the way you conduct yourself. So I'm a huge admirer of yours. So, (laughs) you know, I I only have a few questions left for you, but, you know, I could talk to you all day. Like, honestly... With the new track DIY, if you could have it featured in like any scene in a film or like any movie, like what kind of film or what kind of director would be directing this movie? Whoa. Holy shit. 
honestly, and even with Boys Go, I think a car commercial would be the big bucks. That's amazing. That's on a more surface level. Like, put me in a fucking Dodge commercial, give me the money, and let's fucking Hell go. yeah. Like, from a very, very, very surface level, but from a, like, a more artistic one, I would love the idea of like a coming-of-age movie having one of my songs, I think... I love the idea of, like, kids getting amped up on, like, Michael Incognito. Yeah. And then, like, uh, something like a Rocky Horror. Yes. You know, where it's very, like, what's the lead character's name? Frank Inferter? Yes. Tim Curry. That's a huge inspiration always. Like, I'd love to see somebody else singing it almost or have myself being, like, in that style. I love the idea of, like, a giant group sequence and a dance. And trust me, when the budget's there, we're doing that. Hell yeah. But yeah, car commercial, coming of age, and Rocky Horror. (laughs) Just such great options there. Have you seen Clue with uh, Tim Curry? No. You should definitely check that out. It's such a fun film. I think you'd love it. Tim Curry's so great in it. When I went to New York the one time, I saw him in Spam a lot. And I tried to, like, wait outside the theater door to meet him, and I couldn't. So... Maybe one day in my lifetime, yeah, we'll make it but happen. We're gonna make it happen. I am obsessed with him. It's so funny. You've talked about like being in choir and stuff like that. Yeah. I was kicked out of choir. Shut up. Shut <laughs> I was like up. nine or 10. I got kicked out of choir because I had a really bad music teacher. She kicked me out because my voice was too husky. This is where we stop the podcast. We find her and we just gave it to her straight. <laughs> you have such a beautiful timbre in your voice. It's, oh, thank you. It's so funny you say that. I fucked my voice up pretty fucking bad. A couple of years ago, I think I was like a freshman or sophomore in in college, and it was because I was speaking in like a glottal, so I was like speaking all the way down here. Yeah. And I actually wound up going to a speech therapist in New York, and she was like, it's because, and I realized this with her, like for so many years I was talking in a lower register so that people wouldn't think I was gay. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, full yeah. Sense. So fuck that. You have an amazing voice. You have a beautiful voice. And I would love to hear you sing. Thank you so much. Also, another problem was when she kept getting on me about my husky voice, I started to just not sing and just mouth the words in choir because I still wanted amazing. to be in choir. Even better. I have this like other question for you. It's like, you know, you kind of mentioned like you felt that you had to make your voice deeper to kind of fit in or at least not feel exposed, which I think is like a really horrible thing. And I'm sorry you had to go through that because it's like not fair. Do you feel that there's like a fostering and welcoming community in New York for people to be out and open and just be their authentic selves? Absolutely. I think that's why so many struggling queer people come to the cities because it just has that reputation. But I think it stands up to that. I think I probably would have come out of the closet a little later had I gone to a state school or had I gone somewhere else. I think I got to NYU and I was like, oh, this just like makes sense. Yeah. I think it is tough at first to find that community, or at least it was for me because I still had a lot of shame around it. And I was like, you know, I I wasn't really sure like where I fit or how I felt comfortable in those things. And it's obviously easier said than done. None of us fit. We all just fit because we don't. Yeah. But what comes to mind is like sex workers coming to the forefront of the conversation and sort of like what we're experiencing right now with like the shift in conversation with that type of art because it fucking is and it takes time and it takes effort and there's this insane girl her name's Vaughn V-O-N who I love I went to school with her she was a year younger than me but her brand is that bitch making music with a vibrator I love that and she basically like samples her herself on TikTok. She calls them her O's because you can't say orgasm. You know, the community that she's fostered, there's so many people around her are like so cool. And the spaces that I've been to or the events that they've thrown have been so welcoming. And it 
it's funny, like it's almost sad that I'm like, it was really recognizable and like it was very noticeable that it felt comfortable and safe. Yeah. But I think that's the case. There's still a lot of work to do, obviously, in in a lot of different departments and aisles of the grocery store that is life. (laughs) To answer your question, yeah, for sure. There are so many people here that really want to help you sort of ask the tough questions and be an ear to listen while you're trying to answer them or be a shoulder to lean on. And I think in return, it's our duty to do that to others and sort of just, you know, make sure everyone's looked out for. Yeah, it's so important. And cities like New York, I felt were always like this safe haven for people to be themselves and kind of express themselves. For sure. New York's like a beautiful place. And so I really am excited to oh like go God. and visit. Girl, I'm taking you out. <laughs> yes, please. We're please. Do the whole thing. <laughs> well, I love your music so much. And I just can't wait for all of the listeners out there who are listening to this podcast. You really, really need to go out right now and follow Michael yes. Incognito on Instagram at allergic to cats. Yes. Are you actually allergic? To cats? I'm actually just cats. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, you can never come to my apartment. I have a cat named Yuffie. But I'll take some Claritin. Yeah, we'll be good. <laughs> make sure you check out DIY. It's out tonight. Anywhere you can find music, and make sure to also listen to Boys Go and check out Michael Incognito's other work because he's a phenomenal artist and performer, and he's definitely someone that needs to be on your radar because before you know it, he's gonna blow up, oh. and you're gonna wish you were there for his early beginnings. Yes, always room at the party though. So come when you can. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been great having you on the pod and finding out more about you. I can't wait for this track to come out and see you later. (laughs) 